0: um just wanted to say that I can't help out right now because I'm stuck in some kind of strange weird scenario which I can't really go into
1: right now but yeah hopefully I'll be able to touch base with you soon
2: bye
1: okay then I guess I'm recording episode 56 tomorrow yeah. by myself best get rest
0: cover today is called rusty to the The rescue Rescue.
1: like i absolutely
0: adore not generous enough to even give it a two we're going 1.5 oh god i think you've broken connor just because i've given it that 1.5 and you want to give it that other point hi connor i've missed you so much
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon from wherever you are in the world. My name is Connor Jonas and you're listening to the Right on Track podcast, the show where we talk everything Thomas and Friends and the Railway series, continuing with our reviews of Series 7 today. Now, normally I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, the tall bearded Tom Denham and the pedantic critic Tom Parry. However, Denim is off trapezing around the world, and Parry's currently busy, which means I either had to do this alone, or I needed to get someone to come and help me out. So, acting as my co-host for the foreseeable future, it's M. Hi, Connor. Hi, Em. For those that don't know, M was a guest host on the podcast before, back in episode 29. And in that we, episode... We made-
0: we made some memories.
1: We, we made some memories and nightmares. We reviewed Rusty to the Rescue, one of my all-time favourite episodes.
0: One of my least favourite episodes ever.
1: And we butted heads there, so this should be fun. Now, M. Yes, Connor. What episodes are we covering today? So today,
0: we're going to be looking at three of probably my more favourite episodes, especially out of Series 7. We'll be looking at Peace and Quiet, Fergus Breaks the Rules, and Bulgy Rides Again.
1: With new characters, returning characters galore. So, with that, we're going to dive right into Peace and Quiet, where we're being introduced to a brand new 10-driven wheel engine on Sodor to help during the busy days
3: controller brought in a new engine to help with the heavy workload. He was long and had ten drive wheels. He looked very strong. This is Murdoch. He's going to be pulling freight on the main line. Ahoy, Murdoch, shouted Salty. Welcome, Murdoch, called Harvey. You're the biggest engine I've ever seen, cried Thomas. <coughs> You're a chatty lot, Murdoch said quietly.
1: Now, M, I don't know about you when you meet people for the first time, but uh, w- w- when you meet someone, they're like hey, you know, hi M, nice to meet you. What is your first response when someone says hi, nice to meet you? Welcome. Usually
0: it's not turning around and uh, sounding, you know, like you just want everything to be quiet all the time. U- usually I'll try and introduce myself and yeah, yeah, you know, be you go- friendly.
1: Hi, I'm Murdoch. I'm an engine here to help out. You don't immediately go, you're a chatty lot, and just saunter off. Like, no, I
0: mean, you, you wouldn't. Like, like it, it shows a bit of personality there, though. Like, it shows, I, I guess to me, it shows that, you know, he's here to just put his head down and get straight to work he's not here for the banter he's not here to listen to stories no he's just here to get the job done and at the end of the day that's all he'd want to do and he'd prefer to do it quietly if possible
1: yeah yeah and and that exactly describes who murdoch is so uh, Murdoch, uh, he has already technically appeared In the previous Series 7 episode, Something Fishy However, this is his introduction uh, He is based on a BR Standard Class 9F Built somewhere between 1954- 1960 He's got a dull orange livery with green-red lining And his name on a red nameplate in gold uh, And that nameplate is on his smoke deflectors uh, In concept art, he was originally painted a much richer maroon color but that was most likely scrapped because it was too similar to another series 7 newbie arthur now he's not just unique murdoch for being such a large engine in fact a 210 wheel configuration two wheels followed by 10 wheels behind him which is the largest in the series so far Mm. but he's also the first engine to feature smoke deflectors
0: yeah, and funnily enough, with the positioning of his smoke deflectors, it it's a lot different to the 9Fs, as yes. usually they're sitting right on the edge of the running board, but on Murdoch, they've actually been pushed closer to his face. Yes, now, I feel that personally makes him feel a little bit closed off. It kind of reflects his personality of quiet and... Just here to get the job done. He he's got a one. He's got a narrow focus of I want to get this done. Mm. I feel like that them bringing the smoke deflectors in kind of reflects that. Okay, I'm not sure if you kind of get the same vibe. The,
1: the 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 way I saw it was that they didn't want a great big panel in their design of a character. That, that's they just a-
0: Very big potential, yes.
1: Made it smaller. So, uh, for those that don't smoke deflectors are, uh, in the UK they're called blinkers, elephant ears in the US, or in South Australia they're called valances, which is weird. Uh, The metal plates attach to an engine smoke box, and the job is to lift the smoke up and away from the engine when it's travelling at speed, so that the driver inside the cab can have much better visibility. Yeah. Uh, So... He, he, he's unique in that, but he also has a, a very discernible trait about Murdoch that comes across in this episode, and it's literally, it's pigeonholed him in this box as to who Murdoch is. Mm. So, before we get into that, M, would you like to give yes. a brief synopsis of the episode? What, what occurs?
0: So, in the beginning we uh, see Henry on a on a uh, flying kipper. I think the footage is from Fish, actually. Yes. It's lovely to see throwbacks like that. i big fan. So we open with uh, a scene of Henry uh, on the flying kipper, and then it moves on to introduce Murdoch, as we've uh, heard there. Essentially, the story revolves around his first couple of days on the island, as far as I can figure out.
2: Hmm.
0: From looking at it, you've got the first day where he does his work, but he doesn't get any peace and quiet. Like He likes the serenity, he likes the calm. He doesn't get that in the first episode. He's only seen at the docks and in the heavy industrial area set before returning to Knapford Sheds. Uh, there he meets Salty and Harvey again, uh, and essentially you get the um, you get the kind of feeling that Murdoch really doesn't want to chat, because Salty and Harvey start asking him questions like, "What's the biggest train you've ever hauled? Have you worked Marseille, which is a French harbour town?"
1: Uh, Marseille.
0: Marseille. Sorry. Yes. I appreciate that. But Murdoch turns around and says, I don't want to be stuck in here with chatterboxes. And Salty and Harvey kind of get the feeling that that's rude, and actually Harvey mentions no need to be rude. The next day, Murdoch's once again seen on a very heavy goods train, and he runs through the countryside this time. I um uh, I really love this scene with uh, him passing Suttery Castle.
1: Oh, it, it is it, an absolutely stunning shot. That
0: it it just for me it reflects that peacefulness that Murdoch really likes.
1: Mm-hmm. But a- another thing mm. is that that shot of Suttery Castle, big wide shot where you see the engines passing by, that's been a kind of shot that we've seen since series one of the show.
0: Indeed. And I mean, yeah,
1: it's so vibrant and green and beautiful. And then just having this massive goods train being pulled by a big, strong orange engine. It's such a sight.
0: I feel that the scene is very photogenic, uh, looking from a bit of a photography kind of point. It's framed either side by trees, uh, and I'm pretty sure it reflects the rule of thirds, which is usually you've got three thirds in a shot, both going vertically and horizontally. Mm. Anyway, uh, so Murdoch's seen passing Suttery Castle when he has to pull up because of some sheep on the line. Now... Murdoch's driver and fireman have a discussion, and Murdoch's driver ends up going and phoning for help. So what happens is uh, the Fat Controller gets the call, or Sir Topham Hat. He gets the call, and he immediately arranges for Toby to get the farmer and take them take the farmer to where Murdoch is stranded. So Toby sees Murdoch, Uh, Toby meets Murdoch, sorry. And the farmer does his work. Uh, Murdoch eventually proceeds on his way. You can see the smile on his face as he proceeds through past the uh, sheep. And returns to the shed that evening. But before anyone else opens... Like, before anyone else says anything back at the sheds, Murdoch actually apologizes for being cross Especially after he's ended up being stuck with uh, some sheep that wouldn't be quiet for quite a while. And then the episode closes with a view of Salty, Harvey, and Murdoch all in Knapford Sheds as Salty starts to retell a story.
1: The end.
0: For some reason, everything seems to remind Salty of a story I've noticed. <laughs>
1: It's one of Salty's traits
0: It is, but it's a lovely trait Oh,
1: yeah Yeah Uh, So, this episode It's At at its core, it's very simple New engine Likes the quiet Doesn't find quiet And then when he's Enduring the quiet He comes across something loud and noisy That he can't leave And then at the end, everything's reconciled.
0: Exactly. And it's just, I don't know what it is, but I've always had a soft spot for Murdoch. Like, a big heavy goods engine, because that's what the 9Fs were built for. A big heavy goods engine that is a quiet type. I really have an appreciation for that.
1: Yes, meanwhile, I am very loud, very fast, very energetic. So. <laughs> uh, you definitely are. What, what I feel this episode does, though, that takes it that extra step further, is that it has this brand new character. unlikable. He's being rude to these other engines. And whilst you may sympathize with him because he can't, find a quiet spot mm. he, he he, is actually being rude to everyone. He He's really not is. not saying hello and then at the very very end of the episode the first thing he does is he apologises. And it, I... it's strange because we've got this story which is almost from the antagonist's point of view.
0: Yeah. I do respect him apologizing like that that takes a lot of gusto and i have a feeling that sitting with those sheep for however long he did
1: oh yeah uh,
0: that that really must have made him realize like it's not so bad
1: <laughs> like, yeah get it,
0: getting getting peace and quiet every now and again's nice but also interacting with others and You know, that friendly banter is also nice as well. I have a feeling that Murdoch kind of saw a bit of, like, sense when he encountered the sheep.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, hands down, Paul Larson did a fantastic job writing this episode. Oh, indeed. I Um, agree. Now, there's a, a note here I've got. For one of my... Favourite moments of this episode. And it's so short and sweet. Mm -hmm. Not even sweet, but you you may not notice it. But as Murdoch is waiting, and before they call for help, the driver and fireman of Murdoch try to chase the sheep away. They chase them to one side of the line. They chase them to the other side of the line. And during those little bits of narration of they chase them to one side Mm -hmm. and the other... You just get a close-up of Murdoch's face. And you just watch his eyes slowly move from one side to the other. Mm. And uh, I love that little detail there. Because, of course, there isn't much movement that we do see in the show. We see the engines moving. We see the eyes moving. And then any other movement is something such as maybe smoke maybe a windmill, uh, maybe a bit of running water. Mm. Uh, unless it's some kind of engine, there's barely any movement. And I love how in order to illustrate the fireman and driver running from one side of the line to the other, they just use Murdoch's eyes. And it's so well done, and I love that. Mm. It I... is
0: It is quite a lovely... Uh... Quite a lovely little thing to do. It's subtle nods like that that really make it.
1: Mm. Now, um, I've done some fact checking for this episode. Yep. B- b- because you mentioned, as Murdoch is in his shed for the first time, he's inundated with questions from mm. Salty and Harvey. Uh, you mentioned how Salty asked if he ever worked in Marseille. Now, yeah, uh, Marseille city, southern France, known for its large harbour. Yeah. Of course Salty knows about harbours uh, And I, I double checked No BR standard 9F ever worked there
0: So I wouldn't think so It's a very strange place to send a <laughs> British Railways 9F especially, yes. especially because they were built so late in the piece. Exactly If, if they were built, say, 10-15 years earlier I could potentially see it But looking at it It's just, yeah, I don't see it happening.
1: Mm. Uh, And Harvey asked the question, what's the longest train you've ever pulled? Mm. Uh, Now, I've covered in uh, the episode of the World's Strongest Engine, the longest trains in the world. Uh, And whilst I wasn't able to find the longest in length pulled by 9F, Mm -hmm. I was able to find the heaviest train pulled by 9F.
0: How heavy was that
1: one? Uh, So, uh, Murdoch's basis, 9F, an engine of its class called Black Prince actually holds the record in England, Scotland and Wales for the heaviest steam haul train. Oh, nice. Uh, Which was a whopping uh, uh, 2,233,000... Two hundred and seventy one kilograms.
0: Uh what's that in tonnage? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. In in, in Imperial, it's uh two thousand one hundred and ninety-eight tons. In metric, it's one thousand nine hundred and ninety-three point nine nine two tons. Okay. Or uh it's also four million nine hundred and twenty-three thousand five hundred and twenty pounds. So it's quite a heavy train. Mm. Uh, which is the heaviest Maybe Murdoch didn't pull that train, but it's the heaviest he could have pulled. Speaking of
0: the uh, the shed scene... Yes. I actually have a little bit of an interesting fact about that scene. Oh, okay. When it, uh, when the camera zooms in on Murdoch's... Uh, his cross or grumpy face, I'm not sure what it's called. Mm-hmm. If you have a look to the left... At Harvey? You don't see much of Harvey. But he doesn't have a face played on.
1: Really? Yeah. I- is this mm. Is this only in like some releases or
0: Well, I could see it in the UK uh, narration, so with Michelangelo's. I couldn't oh, wow. I don't I don't know about the uh, American release.
1: Yeah, or that but like at least, releases, but wow.
0: At least with the uh, Michelangelo's one, as far as I can see. Like, it's oh. very, it's a very small amount of what would be face. So it could just be the cameras not picking up the grey as well. But it does seem to look like it's the same black as on the side of Harvey's smoke box.
1: Oh, that's weird.
0: What, the- would? Would you like another little uh, piece of trivia yeah, from this episode? Yeah,
1: go ahead.
0: So, there's actually a couple. Arthur appears the first night behind yes. Emily. Yes, in the second, in the far
1: right of the shed, yes. Yep,
0: the second night he's not there and it's only Emily. Yeah. The other thing is, when we've got the sheep in front of Murdoch... The amount of black sheep keep changing throughout the scenes with the flock.
1: I did think that. Because I was like, oh, there's plenty of black sheep there. Yeah. Were there that many before? It, it does change. It's they just... just... <laughs> I can just now imagine on how I originally just started out with Murdoch there, with three sheep, and it's like, this isn't so bad. And all of a sudden, meh... And a a new sheep's appeared. They start duplicating, (laughs) and soon there's just a tidal wave of woolen lamb just surrounding him.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's a that's a bit of a crazy dream
1: there. Uh... Listen, okay, I had a crazy nightmare last night. Just, just we're not getting into it. You were there, yeah. I was, I was reliving.
0: Oh, was this reliving Rusty to the rescue? I
1: was, okay? But with that, let's move on to ratings.
0: Okay. I'd like you to rate this one first.
1: You're you're new at this. You're you're new at rating. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, peace and quiet. Story-wise, it isn't too creative. No, I'll give you that. It is creative enough to get me interested. It's got some brilliant character development in the first episode of Murdoch, which, by the way, Murdoch as a character, fantastic. There there are so many characters here who are loud and abrasive and have got such energy and force behind them. It's so good to have a quiet character, one who shies away from all the attention and noise and is just sort of to himself. I really like that. Yeah, uh, his model is brilliant. I especially love the color because orange is my favorite color. Uh, then the model work throughout is beautiful, especially that shot you pointed out of Suttery Castle M.
0: Uh it's again, it's one of my favorite. Like it, every time I see it, I just it's so peaceful.
1: Yeah. So, with that all considered, I'm going
0: to give it an 8. Nice. So I I would uh, be very inclined to match you there just because I love Murdoch as a character, as an engine basis. I do also believe that, you know, it wasn't the most creative story, but it's still enough to drag you in. Mm. And yeah, I personally would also give it an 8.
1: We're not breaking any new ground with ratings, no. but we will be breaking things soon, especially for the next episode where Fergus breaks the rules. And as Fergus has been working at the cement works, some trouble has oiled up beside him.
3: Later, Diesel was being careless. Not like that, snapped Fergus. Do it right! Don't interfere, sneered Diesel. You don't know the rules, retorted Fergus. Diesel was very annoyed with Fergus and started plotting
1: a devious plan.
0: Well, uh, I wonder what Diesel's plan could be there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, well, like, I mean, I'm sure he's just going to have a nice, sensible conversation with Fergus and. Not send him off somewhere to get him scrapped, killed, or potentially mutilated. And they're uh, just going to end things on a nice, easy, simple term. Have a good conversation. Talk it out.
0: Yeah, I don't think you've seen enough stories with Diesel in them, then.
1: Okay, so, why don't you tell me what happens, then?
0: Okay, so, as we can see at the start... Uh, we got a lovely uh, portrait of the cement works with Fergus in it. And it's in a sepia tone. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. And we hear about how Fergus is the pride of the cement works. But he does have the attitude of his way is correct. And you must always do it right.
1: Yeah, and it's not even necessarily his way. He's just such a stickler for the rules, Fergus, that any deviation from those set boundaries and systems and processes, he he will go do it right.
0: Uh, yeah, the way he says it though, because he turns around and he says, not like that, do it right. It, it reminds me of a certain other engine we've been introduced to. A, in duck, and the Great yes. Western way. Yes, it's a it's a very much similar attitude. Uh, so I, when I hear Fergus say "Not like that, do it right," I just hear Duck mentioning the Great Western way. Mm. Anyway, so we have uh, Diesel come in to help at the cement works because Sir Topham Hatt sent for him. And he's shunting the trucks around roughly. Hence why we hear Fergus turn around and say, not like that, do it right. After that, Diesel starts to come up with one of his schemes, one of his plans. And he does mention to Fergus, I'm better than you. When he mentions that, supposedly, Sir Topham Hats ordered Fergus to go work at the Smelter's Yard. And he's to remain there forever. So, Fergus, not wanting to break any rules, not wanting to let anyone down, he chuffs off to the, the Smelter's Yard. Once he's there, he gets inside... And he stops. He actually stops just near a uh, scrap model of Thomas. Right next to the track he's on. Uh, Once he stops, the big doors open with the red glow and the smoke and the steam. And out from those doors come Iron Ari and Iron Bert.
1: And I will say, that appearance... And the way that they arrive in the scene, Ari and Bert, the scrap diesels, as they're described, is absolutely amazing. Because first you just see their silhouettes in the red light and they burst through the smoke and the fog as they're just rolling up alongside Fergus before...
0: Before Fergus turns around and for the first time ever He breaks the rules and he leaves.
1: He runs away.
0: He runs away and he goes hiding. Yes. So in the following scenes, we see him up uh, near Callan Castle. And along the the castle lock causeway. That's also another really beautiful shot that I love. Eventually, he ends up at the Maithwaite quarry mine. As the set's called. Hmm. And when it's been heard that Fergus has gone missing, Sir Topham Hatt sends Thomas to go look. Thomas searches a few different lines. He's gone up and down, looking all over for one of his friends, eventually arriving at the Maithwaite quarry mine and finding Fergus. The interesting thing for me here, before I uh, finish the story, is instead of getting Thomas to take Fergus straight back to the cement works, he meets them at the smelter's yard instead.
1: Mm. Hmm. Weird choice.
0: It's a very weird choice, and it confuses me a bit, you know? Maybe it's to pull the story out a little bit longer. I don't know. Anyway, Thomas takes Fergus back. I'm assuming that Fergus has run out of steam, or he's just cold, or he's just tired. Thomas helps him back to the smelters. And Sir Topham asks Fergus to explain himself. Fergus tells him what's happened. And he turns around and says, I'll send Diesel to the Smelters, and you can go back to the cement works tomorrow. Yeah. Why not now, send him back
1: tonight? Yeah, and, and this is where my big question of the episode here. Mm-hmm. Is, first of all, why'd they go back to the, sem- to the Smelters? Yep. Because did Sir Topham ever send... Like, like, was it just a lie made up by Diesel for Fergus to be sent to the smelters? Was there and work some there? truth in it, or, or was there some truth because they're actually working there at the smelters? It's been brought back to the smelters, where Sir Topham's there to meet them, and then Sir Topham says that I'll send Diesel to the smelters, which means yeah. that work does need to be done there. Which hints that maybe his thing was to send Diesel to the smelters, but Diesel heard that and went, "Nah, I'm changing that. The the smelters, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's sticky. Don't it's like it. Disgusting. It's full I, of I'd scrap. much rather work in like a clean concrete factory. So we'll send the the little blue traction engine off, especially because he annoyed me." Mm. <laughs> and I don't really understand that. Um, but, yeah. So, Fergus Breaks the Rules, also known as the Search for Fergus in some releases by Jan Page. Uh, it, it has got a few interesting notes about it. For example, Indeed. it's the first and last appearance of the cement works in an episode. Yep. Uh it sure it, is had quote-unquote previously appeared in some deleted scenes, uh, and it would later appear in a ninth series learning segment. However, in terms of actual episodes, only time we see it is here. Mm. Uh, This is also the only Series 7 speaking role of Diesel, and despite him only saying a mere handful of lines... That You can only count on, like, one hand. He immediately comes in, he does what he does best, and then he immediately does a scheme. Indeed. It, the... it's, it's efficient. Hmm. <laughs> this is Diesel's most efficient story. Uh, it's also uh, the only Series 7 speaking role of uh Burt, the Scrap Diesels.
0: It's actually their first and only appearance.
1: Yes, in Series 7 as well. Mm. Uh, and sadly, uh, this is the last appearance we will ever have of Fergus.
0: I. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Really? I, I like Fergus, don't get me wrong. But it's just, for me, it's that. Not like that do-it-right attitude, which is too similar to ducks. It's two ways of doing it, the wrong way and the great western way.
1: Fair. That's the
0: only reason I'm not too disappointed. Apart from that, I love Fergus. He's a cute little, uh, based on an Aveling Porter
1: um, traction engine.
0: Yep. Yes. And he's a gorgeous little engine. I love his whistle, too.
1: Mm. It's a good whistle. Mm.
0: A uh, couple other interesting little tidbits about this episode. So I mentioned that uh, Thomas, there was a scrap model of Thomas on the track. Yes. Like right next to the track that Fergus right pulls
1: neck, up on. Thomas, in fact, passes right <sighs> by it when he pulls Fergus in.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So the there's a few other scrap models that are used there. Mm-hmm. On the outside, just before slash just after Fergus enters and leaves. On the left, there's a Scrap James. On the right, there's a Scrap Gordon. And apparently, somewhere in there, there's a Scrap Toad and a Scrap Donald or Douglas. Yeah. Another Uh little interesting thing is going back to the whole uh, peace and quiet with Harvey missing a face. Mm-hmm. In Fergus Breaks the Rules, when the shed doors are opened uh, f- to the main part of the smelters, and just before Iron Ari and Bert's shadow appears, you can see a crew member's hand lift up, at least in the uh, Michelangelo's UK release. Ooh. So it's as if they were holding the models back to get them straight up to speed instead of winding them up like a model train set would. Huh. But there you go.
1: That's really interesting. I
0: I like that. I love seeing these little, uh, I guess you could call them goofs, but like these little Mm. bits that just are so minute. But they're yeah. interesting. It shows that, you know, it was part of the model series. It wasn't later on down the track.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it proved that there were people behind this. Yeah. Uh so, uh Fergus breaks the rules. Uh it's also the last episode until the twelfth series, where a standard gauge non-steam team character is the lead. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, and, and it really does show how we're in that time in Thomas's, uh story, uh, in the world of Sodor, where it's becoming more about marketing.
0: Yeah,
1: I'll give you that. Uh, we, we heard it previously when Perry Lachlan and I covered Toby's Windmill, uh, yep. And Denim mentioned where the windmill was very much made for marketing. Yeah, it's true. It got like six different kinds of marketing out there and products. Mm. And that's something that we will see going forward in almost every story. There was something attached to it. And attached to this episode was a song, actually, uh, based on Fergus's theme. And the events of this episode, composed by Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell, was the song "There Once Was an Engine Who Ran Away," one of my favorites out there. It it, it it's I don't oh know, it's slightly jazzy, uh, and it's the only song in any of the Thomas songs that is sung by Mike O'Donnell.
0: Was that actually sung by Mike O'Donnell?
1: Yeah, That's previous lovely. songs, previous songs that would have a uh, adult voice in it. Would be Junior Campbell, okay. And if none of, and if not Junior Campbell, it would be just the children singing. Yeah, but this is the only one with Michael I can see he nailed it in the song. I love it. Hmm.
0: And it's it's a lovely song. Like oh yeah, I like listening to it. I don't necessarily like watching the video for it.
1: I I, I feel the video has got some. Cool large scale shots of uh, Fergus, though.
3: Yeah, maybe not even
1: large scale, but close up. It's worth it. Uh, But we're not reviewing. uh, There once was an engine who ran away. We're focusing. We're We're focusing. We're reviewing. We're focusing on the episode Fergus breaks the rules. Indeed. And we're doing our ratings and review on that. And I believe. Yes. That's what we can move to next.
0: Okay. So, <clears throat> I think for a Series 7 episode, it's the last time, I think you said it was the only time we see the cement works. Yes. Uh, it's the last time we see Fergus. Correct. It's the only appearance of Diesel, Ari and Bert. It makes in... it, in yeah. at least in Series 7 it makes it an interesting episode. I can't say that I... I love it, but I can't say I hate it either. Like, again, Fergus is an interesting character for me, apart from that opinion of not like that, do it right. Mm. I would have to say that this episode, the way it's put together, and just the couple of things that really confuse us about Thomas and Fergus going back to the smelter instead of getting sent to the cement works, and Fergus not being able to return home that night, it does let it down a bit for me. And so I'll probably only give this episode a 5 out of 10.
1: Ooh, Okay. So, I'm not straying too far from you, but I've got much different reasoning. Okay. Because whilst there are those questions, like him going back the next day, that doesn't bother me. His driver's tired, it's late at night, he's just going to be put up in a shed nearby.
2: Mm. It
1: doesn't bother me too much. The, the, the question is, like, was there truth behind what was being said? But that can be all explained with theories. Indeed. This episode I enjoy. I really do enjoy it. However, Mm -hmm. it leaves me wanting more. And it's great for stories to want you wanting more if they're following a continuous storyline. When we're dealing with short stories like this, you don't want to finish it and leave the watchers, listeners, readers, to go, I want more of that. Because the next story is not going to be anything like it. And so the, the other thing they...
0: is, you're not going to see those characters. Like, you're not going to see some characters again. You don't get the character development you'd love to see.
1: Exactly. Ideally, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Fergus-Diesel interaction. Mm-hmm a little bit more Fergus running away and a little bit of an in between where we see diesel being ridiculed diesel alone at the cement works and perhaps Thomas going by looking for Fergus or the fat controller learning that diesel was up to it and scolding diesel. I would like just a little bit more because right now, It feels like there's more to the story. It's unfinished. So with that, I'm going to give it a six. Okay. So
0: we weren't that far off from
1: each other. We weren't that far off. Not at all. Not at all. I I, I feel that there could be a, a few more Diesel scenes. I really like Diesel's character at times. Like, he's a bad guy, but he's a good bad guy. It's delightful when he goes on screen. Which leads us to our musical interlude. (laughs) (laughs) Delightful Diesel. uh, Composed by Sudrian Afro, which is a remix of Diesel's theme. And Benny King's Stand By Me. You're listening to the Run On Track Podcast.
0: Diesel by Sudrian Afro, which was a remix of Diesel's theme, and Benny King's Stand By Me, an absolute wonderful track. So I'm Em, you're listening to the Ride on Track podcast with Connor, and now we're going to be reviewing the episode Bulgy Rides Again, where it seems that the Fat Controller has a bit of a double-decker problem.
3: Double-decker problem, Hmm. This gave the Fat Controller an idea. He drove straight to Bulgy's field. Bulgy is a double-decker bus. He was turned into a henhouse after he caused a silly accident. Good news, Bulgy. I'm putting you back on the road. Thank you, sir. I'll be the best boss ever. Bulgy never liked being in a henhouse anyway. The next day, he went to the foundry.
1: Yes, Bulgy's got... <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, Bulgy is now back on the road once more. So, Bulgy rides again. It's summertime on the railway, and they've got lots of summer tourists. How both Thomas and Emily are in the works, so they've got more people and less engines. So, a bit of a double-decker problem, which gives the Fat Controller an idea to reinstate Bulgy onto the roads. So, uh, Bulgy, after he's been all fixed all the way back up in a wonderful coat of red again that even impresses James. Mm. Mm. He is uh, spends the night in his field before he goes out once more to begin his life again. As a railway bus.
0: And no yeah. more anti-rail league advertising either.
1: You say that. You say there's no more anti-rail league. But someone kept the free the road sign on top of Bulgy.
0: I have noticed that.
1: I Like, there's no join the anti-rail league. But there's still free the roads. Which, I I don't know why... It's very anti-railway. Here's a railway bus. Anyways, so, as he's going about with his first round of passengers, he's driving wonderfully smoothly. It's a dream. However, as he tries to overtake Trevor and nearly collides into Tom Tip of the Postman, he startles the stowaways that snuck on board him during the night a group of his old chickens, when he used to be a hen house, snuck aboard him when he was sleeping in the field. And now they're causing a mess. They're clucking, passengers are screaming, feathers are flying everywhere. People want to get off the bus and tell the fat controller what a bad railway it is. Sent back to the works in disgrace. Silly heads, silly passengers. You can have them both. Exactly, Em. And Emily reminds Bulgy that the farmer still needs help with his vegetables.
3: A vegetable bus? That's not such a bad idea.
1: So, (laughs) I love the impression, it's brilliant. Thank you. So, Bulgy is then reworked once more and is given permission to be the island's only mobile vegetable stand his lower deck has been converted to have a stall and canopy rather dangerous one mind you you need to balance on a small thin wooden bench to look into it Uh, the the upper deck is probably turned into storage and is painted a nice sort of dark green Mm. he's now a mobile vegetable stand
0: a mobile Uh, grocery store is what it actually says
1: Ah, grocery store. Yeah. And that is The Story of Bulgy Rides Again by Brian Truman. Now,
0: tell me, Connor. Have you noticed what he's still got on him, even after he's been turned into a vegetable bus?
1: Has he still got the Free the Road sign? He sure does. You see, okay... This episode, it is recognisable. Uh, A bus being turned into a stand, chickens throwing a muck inside a bus. It's very memorable. It's got everything you could want and more. (laughs) Exactly. Yet for some reason, people can't seem to remember to get rid of the Free the Road sign aboard Bulgy. This episode, it's a good episode. But there's so many little... ...questions it brings up for me. Mm. All these little things. For example... First of all... ...the chickens have climbed into the luggage racks. Yep. They okay. sure have. And then he's been driving about for... ...I would say... ...at least 30 minutes... ...with multiple passengers... ...if not a few hours. Hmm. And for some reason... No one has noticed the chickens sleeping in the luggage racks.
0: You see, I would have thought that the driver would have gone through and made sure that everything was a okay with Bulgy, you know, going through, checking the luggage racks, making sure all the floors are clean, as he's been sitting in the same field with the same hens.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then... All the passengers have hopped on board, and none of them have looked up. None of them's noticed the chickens asleep in all the luggage racks above them. Did no one have any luggage? Did, did all the mass amount of tourists to the island that needed a new bus replacement not have any luggage whatsoever? Clearly not. It, it's well, clearly not. It seems improbable. Extremely improbable. But apparently, that's the case. But by far, one of the most notable syllable things about this episode is the voice of Bulgy. He
0: has developed a bit of a nasally voice. However, it's only
1: appeared in the UK narration. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it suits Bulgy. He's got a great big honker nose. But it's sometimes really hard to understand I, I do like it
0: uh, It is fun to imitate you know.
1: I argue that it's a lot better than Michael Brandon's narration though I, I went and listened to Michael Brandon's narration in this episode Just because I was seeing if there was an alternative to the nasal voice And it's worse There's no nasal But it's got no direction It starts off with vegetables. I'm going to carry passengers.
0: Wait, you've just changed your pitch there and tone completely.
1: Yes, yes. It starts with, I'm going to carry passengers. It's got no direction.
0: I'm going to fly away now.
1: It it, it goes up for no reason. It emphasizes random things. It starts off (laughs) deep but goes high. I don't know what on earth has happened to bulgey. During those years, as a hen, but obviously in the U.S. narration, the chickens have been pecking at his undercarriage and exhaust because he is not doing fine. No, he is, he, he, he is panicking. He, he like he he tried to chew on straws in the U.S. narration, like a proper farmer, but they just swallowed them and got stuck down there. The voices suit the characters. But neither of them, I would say, are good. They suit, but they aren't good. I feel, it's there. I feel, meh.
0: I feel that uh, the UK narration's bulgy actually suits him a lot more. Like, I, I would say that it suits. Oh, That's
2: it it, my it
1: suits, thing. but it's not good. Like the best narration of bulgy we got. Was in the original series 3 narration of Bulgy. Mm. Which leads me to the next thing. Because this episode, Bulgy runs again. I've been looking forward to for such a long time. Not only because Bulgy such a good character. Mm. But because all the way back when we were reviewing series 3. I came across this trivia fact. Yeah, That the series 3 episode Bulgy, 75. Mm. And his next... And the next time we hear from him is in Bulgy Rides again is exactly 100 episodes later in episode 175.
0: That's got to be something planned, surely.
1: Was it planned? Was it coincidence? Because, like, it it doesn't seem planned. Coincidence? I think not. uh, Like, it seems too good to be a coincidence. It does. could be that they 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 filmed it and someone was like, huh. We're actually nearing the 100th episode. Why don't we shuffle it round for it just to be the 100th? It doesn't feel planned going in to bring him back a 100 episodes later.
0: No, and the other thing I have noticed, uh, having a bit of a look at uh, each of the episodes on the wiki, um, is that a lot of Series 7 has been filmed out of order. Yes. So it could very well be, as you've stated, they could have filmed it earlier and then realised, oh, it's 100 episodes since Bulgy appeared, why not shuffle it around? And they could very well have done that.
1: Mm. And like I mean, the three episodes that we've reviewed today, first you've got one about a new engine who's all on the goods line. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a, a small sort of branch line traction engine who travels... From cement work to smelter to I think you said the the Maithwaite quarry or something. Yeah, the Maithwaite quarry mine. Yeah, and 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 now we've got a bus who travels on the roads to unnamed locations.
0: So, I've got a couple of uh, interesting facts, like I have for the rest of the epi- uh, the rest of the episodes we've looked at today.
1: Okay, throw them at me.
0: So. When Bulgy is kept in his uh, old field overnight before he uh, does his first passenger run, you see an engine in the background on a branch line train.
1: Yeah, pulling the post train. Isn't that James?
0: No. It's not the post train and it's not James, but you're on the right track with the colour. It's Arthur. Yes. So, something I would have thought, personally, is... Was there no space in the bus depot for Bulgy?
1: Yeah, because... Why does he need to sleep in the field again? Like, even if there is room nowhere else in the bus depot. If they've got no room for a double-decker bus, which would mean they'll need double-decker sheds.
0: Not necessarily. He could have been parked outside.
1: Yeah, exactly. Why couldn't he just park outside or be left at the works overnight? So...
0: It could very well have been that that's where Bulgy's driver lived. We don't know. The other idea I had was, is it close? is it closer to the start of his run? Yeah. Does it make it easier not to backtrack? There's a lot of questions that putting him back in the field does raise, but it kind of seems like there might be answers we just don't know.
1: Yeah, like, it, to me, it very much feels like the answer is plot.
0: I have a feeling you're right. Simply because of the uh, hens.
1: Yeah, and and then with the hens afterwards not being noticed... <clears throat> uh...
0: Another little bit of interesting information is we actually... It's 100 episodes since Bulgy. We actually get the flashback and the reminder... Of what happened to Bulgy in the fact he got stuck under the bridge, and that's why he was withdrawn and put into the field.
1: Yeah, it's actually really good because rarely in the show do we get proper flashback sequences anymore. No, and. To provide context.
0: <clears throat> it's been so long since I watched it, uh, the series three episode Bulgy, that. It's very nice to have that refresher.
1: I I feel it wasn't more so as a refresher as Mm. to here's this previous episode, but I feel it was more so done as here's a character that's a bus and here is why they're in a field. I mean, but Bulgy is very much being treated as a new character.
0: He is. It does, like, for those that have watched Series 3 prior to this, though, it feels like he returns even though his voice changes. And it seems like his attitude changes a bit, too.
1: He's a bit more chatty with the engines.
0: He's also seeming to be a lot more, yes, I will do this, It means I get out of this field and away from the hens again.
1: Mm. It's actually served him well, his time in the field. However many decades it may have been. So,
0: the last couple of uh, little trivia items I've got is this is the last time we'll see or hear Bulgy Mm. until at least Series 21.
1: Which is a while away. I that, mean, that's... we're
0: sitting here in series seven.
1: Yeah. Like, consider what we've reviewed so far three times over, and then we see Bulgy again.
0: So, his that's his next speaking role. In, yes.
1: Uh, Unscheduled 21st,
0: Stop. Yep, the 21st series episode, Unscheduled Stops. And it's the last time that he stars as, I'm assuming, one of the main characters in the story until the 23rd series episode, Free the Roads.
1: Yeah, that uh, he, it, this is his last starring role until that 23rd series episode, Free the Roads. Indeed. I mean... In full CGI.
0: <laughs> maybe that's why they left Free the Roads on him throughout the entire episode.
1: I highly doubt that they were planning that far ahead. Well, M M, listen, listen, okay? You're you're filling in for co-hosts. I I know you're new to a lot of this reviewing thing. I'm gonna tell you now. The people who write these episodes are good, but they don't think that far ahead. Mattel isn't that smart to think that far ahead, M.
0: Okay, you but know, maybe you know they're this smart in, enough to in your look heart. back.
1: You're smart enough in your heart to know that this is true. Have you got any other facts to tell us about Brian Truman's uh, revisal of Bulgy?
0: There is actually one little bit. It is in one of the scenes of Bulgy when it's face on. I believe it's after the hens. It might have been before. But his face is crooked. It's his angry face is crooked. So I believe it's after the hens, you know, silly uh, silly hens, yeah. silly passengers. You can have them yeah.
1: both. Yeah, ever so slightly.
0: So it's ever so slightly crooked. But also, during, uh, I think it's when he says, a vegetable bus, I believe you see one of the crew members' movements very subtly in his left-hand window.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, you you see in the reflection of the window the movement that can only be a crew member. Yeah. Which I I again love because it is this is a human show.
0: Indeed. It's so- a show created by humans and you can see that in some of the reflections. You just have to look hard enough sometimes.
1: Yeah. So, how do we rate these humans on their performance in Bulgy Rides Again, M, What are you thinking?
0: I rate that one crew member that appeared in the window for, like, a brief <laughs> second. Of five, like, it's 7 out of 10 here. But the
1: episode on
0: a whole, I enjoy it. I Mm -hmm. love Bulgy's voice as much as, you know, it might not be the best suited for him. I think it is. Um, I love that we've seen essentially a recreation of the character we once saw. The attitude from the uh, chicken field has changed. Like, the time spending there has uh, changed his attitude.
1: He's had a character arc.
0: He's had a character arc, and Off-screen. it's not a bad one. I quite like it. I have to give this episode, I reckon, an- another eight out of ten.
1: Okay then. This is where we split. Don't let He's me sta- down. Don't um, don't um, bring back um, Rusty to the rescue um, here um, and um, let me down. Um, I'm not... I didn't even mention that episode, M. How dare you? So, this episode, it's great to see Bulgy again. yeah uh, He has had a nice off-screen character arc. But this episode, the entire premise of it, leaves so many questions for me. How did no one notice the chickens at all? And whilst I can understand... That they may need another bus. The entire issue of the episode was the chickens. In fact, th- this episode doesn't even have an ongoing issue. It's one issue. We need a solution to these passengers' solution. Bulgy issue. There are chickens. Solution. Don't have the chickens anymore. Don't become a bus. Issue, I don't have a job anymore. Solution, become a vegetable bus. It's It feels disjointed and one after another. So, I am afraid, and also, the down. new voice, it irks a me. A vegetable bus,
0: that's it, not such it, a bad idea. It's
1: funny, it works, it, it's a great thing, but to me, it isn't bulgy. Connor. Okay, you can't do boring. this to me, please. So I'm afraid... I'm not going too far. I'm just going three steps down the road and giving it a five out of ten.
0: Okay, I can live with that.
1: You can live with that. I Don't can live worry. with that. I'm not as cold-hearted as you once were. So. It's okay. I'm afraid with that, it brings us to the end of episode 56 of the Right on Track podcast... And we will return next week with more episodes. Em, uh, what will we be reviewing? So next, next
0: episode, <clears throat> we'll be looking at Harold and the Flying Horse, The Grand Opening, Best Dressed Engine, and Gordon and Spencer.
1: Ooh, looking forward to that last one. But until we get to reviewing those episodes, you can catch up with us with our various social media such as our Twitter at on track Thomas, our Instagram, TTTE underscore right on track.
0: Or our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas Podcast.
1: Or there is our email, right on track Thomas at gmail.com where you can send in questions or thoughts and ideas. But until that time comes, I'm still Connor. I'm still M. And this has been the Right on Track Podcast. Adios. Farewell.
0: Ta-da-da-da! <laughs> da, da, da.